try to read scripture after trying to swallow a lump in my throat because I'm so moved by, by this music. So thank you all so much. Mark chapter 6 is the scripture that we have today. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles if you will. If you have a Bible before you, Bibles in the back of the pews if you need one. If you just want to look, you can have a line too. Mark 6, 1 through 13 this morning. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciple followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on some sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on each tunic. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I just got a message this week from one of my college buddies. Well, from the wife of one of my college buddies. She's putting together a surprise party for him. His 50th year in ministry. And I thought, no, it cannot be. It can't be 40 years ago since we were running around in college together because I started thinking about all these things that we did, and we had so much fun. Uh, like one time we went bowling, and we were out late, and we got back to campus where I had parked my car, and it was, I don't know, 11 o'clock midnight, and we got our stuff out of the car, and we looked around, and I saw over by this apartment complex ne next to where we were, there were, I mean, police cars that stuff like this, and, and we were thinking, man, this is better than Magnum P.I., so we walked over, that, it was a thing, so we went over to this hedgerow, and hedges came up to our chest, you know, so we were kind of behind there, not really crouching down, but kind of hidden behind there, watching what was going on, just loving every minute of it, until we saw heads turn our way locked on to us. And now the detectives were coming over like this 
to us, and they get over there, and they say, I kid you. And just a little tip in case you ever find yourself in that position, when the officer says freeze, just freeze. babbled on about how, oh we just we went bowling and we saw that you know we just and fortunately our bowling bags were at our feet <laughs> so our story was corroborated by by the circumstantial evidence uh, if that's the way you say it. we got to go home which was great and the next day we had a story to tell in class which was also great but this makes me think a lot about mission about mission what the mission is Jesus' mission was to us, what our mission is. So I want us to think about that from the angle of, is the mission a mission possible or a mission impossible? First, Jesus' mission toward us. We don't really have to wonder about that. Jesus said himself why he came, and I'll bet you know it. I'll bet you can quote the scripture. I'll bet no matter how few times you've been in the church, you've seen this one. John 3.16, will you say that with me? If you know how to, if you've said it before, if not, just kind of move your mouth. I bet you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, even the guy with the rainbow wig at the football game, do you remember him used to stand up in the end zone? John 3.16. It tells about the mission and it tells about what's behind the mission, God's great love for us, eternal life, salvation. That's the mission. John 3, 17 hones in on it even more. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The mission. The mission. I think the best mission statement that Jesus ever offered for himself was John chapter 10, verse 10, where he said, thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. To put this in context, Jesus had been talking about being the good shepherd and about taking care of the sheep, even to the point of making himself the door to the sheepfold and how the thief would try to climb over the wall, but the good shepherd would take care of the sheep. And we're the sheep, you see. It can be no other way. We're the sheep. God is the shepherd. The devil is the thief who wants to steal and to kill and destroy. And we could talk for days. And all you have to do is read the papers to see lives destroyed, things stolen, families broken up, people's basic human dignity being robbed. But Jesus' mission, what Jesus is all about, Everywhere Jesus went, that's what he did. Life. 
deliverance instead of healing. It's just the meeting of basic human needs. It's just connection to people who are separated. It's just peace with God to everyone who is who looks to him. That was his mission. Now, here's the thing. I want us to look at today whether or not that's mission possible or mission impossible. And you say, what in the world do you mean? Of course it's possible. Jesus was doing it. Of course Jesus did all things well. And when he said from the cross, it is finished, he meant exactly that. He did exactly what he came to do. But verse 5 taunts me, y'all. It taunts me. Listen to it again. Jesus in his hometown. It says he could do no deeds of power there. Jesus teaching the synagogue and they were just amazed and they said where did he get all this wisdom he didn't even go to seminary where did he get all this power what where are these great deeds coming from we we know him we've known him since he was little we know his family they couldn't understand it and so therefore listen they closed their minds on this because they couldn't understand it so therefore this last Wednesday, we we joined, I don't know how many people, gathering here downtown and, and making the little pilgrimage down to the, the hill, overlooking the river there to watch the fireworks. Did any of y'all watch fireworks this last Wednesday? I hope that you had a chance to either shoot some off yourself or, or to watch some. But we, we, walked, we, we went down there and we found a spot on the hill there and we watched the fireworks place. And we, along with everybody else, were, ooh. And then when it was all over with, we applaud. Everybody just applauded, just spontaneously. And it wasn't like the people across the river who were sending off the fire. They couldn't hear us applauding. But we were just, we couldn't help it. It was such a, a, a just extravagant display of beauty and patriotism. You couldn't do anything else except applaud, just for the principle of the thing. We loved it. But now I have to admit to you, I have no idea what makes fireworks go boom, except maybe gunpowder. But I don't know what makes them explode into different colors and go spinning off in different directions and all of these patterns. I have no idea what makes fireworks work. And we have some really smart people in this church, and you may be uh, the kind of person who knows exactly what makes fireworks work. If you do, God bless you. Don't try to tell me. I won't be able to get it. It'll go right over my head. But just because I can't understand it doesn't mean I can't just get lost in the wonder of it all. But what if I had said, you know, I can't understand what makes that work. That's too, I just, I'm going to just stay at home and put my head under the cover because I can't understand it. You think I would have missed out? I can't do that. 
See, the Apostle Paul writes about God. He says in Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Does he understand it all? St. Augustine went as far as to say, if, if you comprehend it, it's not God. If you comprehend it, it it's not God because when we think we've got it all figured out, when we think we've got a God all figured out, what we've really done is we've fashioned some kind of God with a little g that kind of looks just like us and has all of our biases and loves all the things that we love and hates all the things that we hate. That's not really God because God is bigger than any box that we could ever build. So would you today be willing and open to God working in ways that you don't fully understand and just stand in awe of God and what he's doing, maybe even his laws? The second way that the unbelief in Jesus' hometown played out was that the people were just not open new possibilities. They weren't open to new possibilities. Can't you hear that in the way they responded to Jesus? They said, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are his sisters not here with us? And listen to this. They took offense. Offense that something new was trying to go on here. It was offensive. something new. Do you know the seven words that kill just about any church? Have you heard them before? We've never, what, done it that way before. We've never done it that way before. We've always done it this way. But what if God wanted to do something new? Alright, I'm going to ask you to do something with me here uh, and, and, and just kind of go with it. Alright? Uh, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Picture in your mind this morning someone, someone that you know, don't point any fingers, but someone who just gets on your nerves. Just picture that person in your mind. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they root for a different football team than you do and they're real obnoxious about it. Maybe they um, support a different political party than you do and they go on social media and they're always putting something snarky on there and it just grates you. Uh, rubs you the wrong way. Maybe their personality just rubs you the wrong way. Okay, you got that person in your mind. Okay, now open your eyes. Open your eyes. Here's what I want to ask you. What if God wanted to use that person to speak into your life? Can you imagine? What if, and Lord help us all, what if God wanted you and that person to team up together to do something for the kingdom of God and mission. You say, well, the Lord would never do something like that. Well, maybe. You know, when Jesus sent the 12 out, we're about to look at that in just a second. When Jesus sent the 12 out two by two, I can imagine him looking at Simon the Zealot, the freedom fighter, and saying, hey, Simon, I want you and Matthew, the former tax collector, I want y'all to 
see them rolling their eyes and laughing at the good guy. Why? Because God might be trying to do something in you. Well, Jesus has his mission for us, and sometimes unbelief is a stumbling block. That's the way it was in his hometown. I hope it's not that way. May it never be that way here at our church in our lives. But Jesus also sent his disciples out on a mission in the second half of that passage today, verses 7 through 13. You know, that represents our mission. Did you know we're all missionaries? We're all missionaries. We all have a mission. We all have a duty to carry the abundant life of Jesus, to give to all the world on your bulletin. Would you just take a minute? Look at the front of your bulletin. We have, we have our mission printed on the front of our bulletin. Yeah, take it out and look at it. The people of Jasmine First United Methodist Church changing lives by sharing Christ, making disciples, serving and giving hope. Well done, church. I mean, how much more biblical and to the point can you get by capturing the heart of what Jesus came to do to offer that abundant life? But the question remains, is it mission possible or is it mission impossible? It is possible. It really is. If we remember the instructions that Jesus gave those first disciples as he sent them out, and that's what I want to leave you with this morning, some, some tips to make the mission, mission possible. Verses 7 through 13, Jesus tells them this four things. First, in verse 7, he sends them out two by two. So tip number one is don't be the Lone Ranger. You say, well, why did Jesus send them out two by two? Couldn't he have covered more ground if he scattered them out in 12 different directions? Well, maybe, but we're made for community. We need each other. Even if you're an introvert like me, you need somebody. We need support. We need encouragement. We need somebody to pick us up when we stumble. We need each other. Two are better than one, Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. Don't be the lone ranger. Second tip Jesus gives is remember that you're taking his authority. Taking his authority, which means you're taking his name, his spirit, his power. Remember that story I told you at the beginning about Nikki and me at the hedgerow? The police had the power. The police had the authority, the badge. And we didn't understand it at the time, but they did have a mission. They did have a mission. And you and I have a mission. But we don't go under our own authority and we don't go under our own power, not even our own name. We take the name of Jesus with us. We take the power of the Holy Spirit with us. We take his authority. The disciples could never have done what they did under their own power. Neither can we. Neither can we. And then the third tip is this, verses 8 through 11. Remember not to overpack. Jesus said, travel light. Don't take extra food. Don't take extra luggage, extra money in your money belt, extra change of clothes. 
He said, accept the hospitality offered to you and stay there. And if someone won't receive you, then shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. I have to confess something to you this morning. I got a difficult time with this guest because I'm a planner. I like to have plan A and plan B. And also, if I'm going on a trip, I'm the kind that overpacks because you never know. Okay, now raise your hand if you're one of those people that kind of overpacks because you never know. Okay, and if you're sitting beside somebody who really does that and they didn't raise their hand, raise your hand on their behalf if you're like that. You know who you are. You never know. You never know. Now, look, it's okay. I don't think that the Lord is trying to say, don't ever prepare, don't ever plan. I think that what the Lord is saying is that God is sufficient. It's God who is enough. And when we go in his name and under his authority, then we are enough. We are enough. We can trust him. I'll say the final tip of our mission to make it mission possible instead of mission impossible is to remember our job and to remember to stay in our lane. This is kind of connected to the last one about not overpacking. And this is just a reminder to us that God is God and that we are not. The late Billy Graham had a, a quote that I really, really liked. He, he said, um, It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's our job to love. Now, here's what goes wrong when we get that backwards. When we try to do the Holy Spirit's job and try to convict, then it comes across as nagging. When we try to do God's job and become judge, then it comes across as self-righteous and holier than thou. People just win it. That doesn't work. But when we share the love of Christ in our words and in our actions, amazing things take place. Amazing things. Then the mission becomes Then we're not just doing what we're supposed to do, we're being who we're supposed to be. Not long ago, I was in another United Methodist church, and they had places, different places around the church, their mission statement on little signs. And the signs read this, we are the love of Christ in action. Now, a skeptical person might say, is that even possible in the day and time that we live? And then I would quote the one who came in mission to us, Jesus Christ, the one who sends us out in mission, as he said in Mark 20 and 9.23, all things are possible to the one who believes. Don't be afraid.
people coming to us and offering abundant life. Thank you. Help us not to, with our own unbelief, become a stumbling block to that great thing that you want to do, even in our lives. And thank you, God, for not just coming to us on a mission, but for sending us, because we all have a purpose and we all are called. And help us not to become our own worst enemy by not being open to something new, some new way that you want to use us or somebody in our lives. When you come calling to us, help us to say yes to that. When you want to send us, help us to say yes, Lord. We'll go says take the name of Jesus with you that's going to be our call to respond to God's call in our life and I want to invite you as God leads you as the spirit moves you to come and to pray for any reason that you might want to at all and then after the benediction I want to